Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 301. Well, for me, it's uh, it's not to settle for mediocrity, whether it's in uh, in your in your life, in your business, in your hobbies, and and so on. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Alain Raymond. Alain, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Absolutely, Mark. Great to have you here. Alain Raymond is an automotive journalist, photographer, historian, and vintage race car driver. He spent over 40 years as a professional technical translator, and in the early 80s, he founded his own translation firm in Ottawa, where he specialized in the automotive field. He's co-hosted automotive TV shows and published a weekly column on vintage cars and automotive history, and he helps and organize collectible automobile events, attends numerous vintage car shows, and he competes in a vintage racing event driving his 1964 Fiat Abarth 1000 TC. So Alon, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share a little more about your career and of course your passion for automobiles? Well, my interest in cars goes way back to, to my really early teenage years. I was an avid, still I'm avid reader of, of, of magazines, uh, both French and English. Even before I knew how to read uh, English, I, I would go through Car and Driver and, and so on, read tons of magazines. And uh, it sparked my interest into everything mechanical. And uh, then I moved on to 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 the auto industry as a, as a translator and it all meshed together really well tell me a little bit about this translation business that you're doing what types of things would you translate that were specific to the automotive field well you see in canada we have two official languages french and english so technically anything that goes out to the public has to be in both official languages so owners manuals technical bulletins for, for technicians, training courses, advertising, marketing, you name it, has to be in both languages. So uh, you need to, to tr- most of this is, is written in English and then has to be translated into French. And it's important that you have a knowledge of the automobile in order, be, in order to be able to translate properly. As one says, one cannot translate what one does not understand. Oh, absolutely. How many of us have gotten those special products where they've been translated from a different Mm. language and you're reading Mm -hmm. it going, what are they trying to tell me to do? I can't understand any of this. So, and then you've also co-hosted some TV shows. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, when I moved to Quebec uh, some 20 years ago, I connected with a gentleman by the name of Jacques Duval, who is a pioneer automotive journalist in Quebec and Canada. He was the first one, as a matter of fact, to start a TV show on cars uh, in the 70s. It was un- unheard of at the time. And he happened to be a neighbor in the village where I live. And, you know, we connected and I started working on his yearbook, which he produces every year. And then one day he showed up and says, we're going to do a TV show. I said, oh, yeah, I've never been on a TV stage. I, I don't know what you're talking about. And he said, no problem. Just talk talk as if you're talking to me and there's only a camera looking at you and that's it. And that's how we did it for years. And it was a lot of fun. Oh, that was really fun. Cool. A lot like what I do here 
on cars. Yeah, it's just a couple guys talking about cars, having fun. So fantastic. Well, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote. It's some type of a saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success, and it's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. So along, take the wheel. For me, the important thing is not to settle for mediocrity. I think uh, it applies to what you do in, in, in life, be it in business or personal relationship uh, or, you know, dealing with your hobby, uh, buying a car, selling a car, uh, modifying a car. Do it as well as you possibly can. Well, it's a great way to go through life. I've had so many guests on this show that share that type of philosophy is embrace life, seize the day, if you, if you will. Make sure that uh, everything you're involved in and the people you surround yourself are as enthusiastic as you are. So wonderful way to go through life. You talked a little bit uh, with me in a pre-show chat about growing up in Lebanon and being around all sorts of different cars. But could you share a story that instigated your passion for cars and tell our audience a little bit about that? What was that pivotal moment in your life when you really knew you were a car guy? Uh, there's no one pivotal moment, but I've, I've known since a long time I was, I was a kid. You know, I like things mechanical. I, work, I like to work with my hands. And one day at Christmas, I had asked my parents for, for this, this Revell, I think you call it, model of, of a V8. You could see through it and you build it. And I spent days locked up in my room putting this thing together. And when it started working with the pistons going up and down and the valves, and I was, I was so happy. And that's when I realized this. I love this stuff. So for me, that was, I still remember it as if it was yesterday. And the other one is a few years later in the, in the late 60s, I was still in Lebanon, and this gentleman imported, started importing Lotus cars, and this there was this this Lotus Elan and a car show, and I was drooling over it with two of my friends, and the man said, "Well, you seem to like this. Why don't you come by whenever you can, and we can uh, maybe give you a test uh, test drive." So next morning we were there at the door waiting for him to open, <laughs> and I took the car up mountain roads as you know probably lebanon is a very mountainous country and there's beautiful driving roads and for half an hour i drove that car and to me it was the 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 ultimate to me it was there was nothing that could be any better than that and it's always stayed with me and even today i i own a lotus elan that was that was an important defining moment of what type of car i liked i built that same model you built as a kid. I remember that model, yes, quite well. The see-through V8 engine and everything moved. And yeah, it was so exciting. But uh, tell me, before we get to this next question, though, again, in the pre-show chat, you touched on living in Lebanon, growing up there, and having access to so many different marks. And I didn't realize that. I'm not real familiar with the country. So could you tell us a little bit more about that? It is strange, really, because Lebanon is such a tiny little country, and uh, still we had everything that was available on on any market. We had Ford, we had Chrysler's, we had GM's, of course, and we had every European brand you could think of. I mean, from A to Z, like I used to say, um, Alfa Romeo to Zil, you know, the the Russian cars, mm-hmm. um, and and we had them all, the Skodas and the Fiats, and uh, to me that was fantastic exposure because I was. I was accustomed to seeing all these cars, and some of these cars have never shown up on, on, on in North America yet. I know of them, and it's helped me as, it's a big word, historian, to be able to say, 
Yeah, I, I knew this car. I remember Borgwarg. I remember uh, Primula, uh, the first uh, front-wheel drive with transverse engine uh, gearbox and, and engine side-by-side. Side. It was the, the Primula. It was a Fiat product. Nobody's heard of a Primula, but I'd seen it. Wow. Well, it's very, very cool. You know, lots of times we don't see these cars until we go to car shows. And I remember at Pebble Beach last summer, the Tatras, all those cars showing up. I'd never seen one of those before. So uh, it's a wonderful way to expose ourselves when we're here in North America to, to different cars. So Alon, what I'd love to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and crawl under the hood and ask you to share with our listeners a huge challenge or, or maybe even a great failure that you faced along the way in your career. But the most important part of this has to do with how did you overcome that situation and what did you learn from it? Well, uh, it's really a personal tragedy I suffered uh, and uh, what I learned from it is, 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 is life is very fragile and very unpredictable. And uh, you better do it now. Whatever you want to do, do it now. Don't wait till next year or the year after or when I'll have the money or where this or where that. Do it now. Can you take us there? Maybe share a little bit of that. I know you said it was a personal tragedy, but um, it, it helps our listeners understand a little bit more about how you get over these things? Well, uh, I mean, well, how do you get over the loss of a 21-year-old 20 son? Mm. Uh, you never really get over it, but uh, you, you, you will to live and you will, your will to overcome and to enjoy life to the, to the maximum. And I remember uh, Mark, his name was, uh, telling me, you know, Dad, what are you waiting for? You like this stuff. Why don't you do it? He was talking about... Uh, racing and so on and he used to uh, race uh, carts and uh, I kept saying oh I'd like to take my Miata out and he said, do it why are you waiting for that was keeps coming back to me what are you waiting for yes well first and foremost gosh my sincere condolences and sympathy I, I can't imagine losing a child but the wisdom that Mark had for you is certainly something that is carried through and you hold in your heart that what are you waiting for? Get out there and do it. Enjoy mm -hmm. life. And you're oh so right. Uh, you never know what's going to happen today, tomorrow, or the next day. And it's, it's a great reminder for all of us. Don't let a day pass without having fun, enjoying what you do. Be passionate. Don't settle for mediocrity. Absolutely. Voila, voila. voila. <laughs> Alon, let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share one of those career aha moments with us. It's a time I like to say when the headlights come on and illuminated your way for a new idea or a new direction. And tell us the steps that you took to turn your aha moment into your success. Well, the aha moment happened on track. As a matter of fact, I was in Shannonville, which is a track in, in Ontario. Uh, I used to do a solo, solo one with my Miata. You know what solo one is? Oh yeah. Park. yeah. Okay. And and one day I was there and I noticed these 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 old single seaters, uh, Lotus Fords and so on. And I thought, what are they doing here? And somebody said, well, this is vintage racing. I says what? This is vintage racing. Oh, this is very interesting. So I inquired. And they told me about. It. And this is when I discovered it. Uh, this is maybe twenty years ago. And I thought, this is what I want to do. Uh. Yeah, that is fine, but. This is what I want to do. I want to find myself an old car and do it. And eventually, it happened. 
tell our audience a little bit more about this vintage racing because I used to race vintage cars. I raced a Lotus 18 Formula Junior. That Mm -hmm. bit the bug for me and and a Lola T290. But tell us, what was it about uh, that seeing that vintage car and, and getting in your first one that was so much more special than, let's say, a newer car with Solo One or the Miata? Okay. Well, I like the historic part of things. Okay, uh, uh, both in cars and and in life. To me, history in general, with a big H, explains everything. Everything. Mm-hmm. Okay, everything that's happening in the world, to me, is explained by history. If you learn history, you may better understand what's happening today. That applies to automobiles, and I, and I and I love the older cars. Well, first of all, because I can work on them. The newer cars, the electronics and so on, I can. And and the older cars have character, have soul. To me, okay. Uh, and uh, back in Lebanon, I, my first car was a Fiat 600, an old battered Fiat 600. And that's when I learned about, about, about Fiat and Abarth. And then one day I thought, I'm going to get myself an Abarth. And lo and behold, it happened. And this is, I mean, this is my 13th season in the Abarth. And, and, I, and I love it. Uh, of course, uh, I suffer a lot because <laughs> you tinker, you have to constantly be at it. Uh, so vintage racing for me was was uh, allowed me to to satisfy this historic uh, yearning, if you wish, on the one hand, and the other hand, because it's it's not as competitive as other forms of racing, uh, it is gentleman racing, it is uh, no contact racing, and the people there are there to have fun. They're not there to win, and that is a major, major, major difference. And I have made more friends in vintage racing, both locally and abroad, than I have all through my life. It's, and, and fantastic friendships, fantastic friendships. And you discover so many so many new cars, so many new people, and their history. Uh, later on, I can tell you about one gentleman who's 85 years old, and I was there uh, at Mossport last weekend, and he's still racing wow. at 85 years old. You may want to interview this gentleman. <laughs> Sounds like I want to talk to him. I share a lot of those same philosophies with vintage racing. And I always encourage my listeners, attend a vintage race because what is very unique about it is you can walk through the pits, you can get up close and personal with the cars, you can talk with the owners about the cars. Like you, they know a lot about their vehicles. They have to tinker with them. They're always having to adjust them and and work on them. And if you're really lucky, you'll encounter some people who say, you know what? Hop in the driver's seat, see what it's like to sit in this thing. Exactly. I brought my son to many vintage races throughout his life from the time he was four years old, and he has sat in more cars, more old race cars than I probably have, because he Mm -hmm. just would step up and say, can I sit in your car? And uh, certainly he's made an impression on him and me as well. How about proudest moments in your business career? Is there one in particular you could share with us that really stands out for you? Uh, well, really, it's uh, when I started my own business uh, in the early 80s, I used to work uh, for the auto industry. Then I moved to the federal government, uh, Canadian federal government, all, also in translation. I moved up fairly, fairly quickly up the ranks. But after 10 years of bureaucracy, I couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> I thought, I can do this on my own. So uh, with two other partners, we started our own firm and uh, we, we did okay. It was, it was fun. It was a learning experience. And I was very proud of that moment. Well, that's what another thing Cars Yeah is all about is that entrepreneurial spirit. Is people that have figured out how to wrap that passion for cars into their vocations, which you did so well. I'm so happy that you're able to do that. And yeah, 
dealing with that bureaucracy can be quite painful, <laughs> for sure. Let's have a little bit of fun here. You talked about that Lotus Salon. You took talked about that Fiat uh, 600, I think it was, back in mm-hmm. Lebanon. But what was your first really special vehicle? And if you could share a memory with us. Well, I'll, I'll go back. As strange as it may sound, I'll go back to the Fiat 600, my okay. first car. Okay. Because it, it uh, first, I was a student uh, at, at university, the American University of Beirut, by the way, which today is 150 years old. And to me, it opened up a whole, whole, whole new world, you know, mobility, going up skiing in the mountains with that little Fiat, going up first gear because it wouldn't go any other way. <laughs> and uh, I learned to drive on this thing. I, I really battered it. And I found out about Abarth, which became a passion of mine. For me, although it was a very, very, very modest car, it's it still is a very important, important car to me. What was it about that Fiat? If you could pick one thing that just brings back a spark of life in your memory, what, what was that one thing about that Fiat? David against Goliath. <laughs> It's, it's the underdog. And uh, going up the hill, I, I was always last. Coming down the hills, coming down the mountains, boy, oh boy, that thing would fly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll bet. You know, I have some friends locally here in Gig Harbor, Douglas and Jeannie, and she lived for a time in Italy. And she remembers as a little girl, her father having one of those vehicles and all the kids would cram into the back seat. And mm-hmm. to this day, it just has a special place in her heart. And whenever I see one for sale, I shoot it over to her husband and say, Douglas, this would be a great Christmas present for Jeannie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wonderful. Is there a vehicle that you've owned and sold that you really wish you could have back in the garage? <laughs> um, yeah, maybe maybe one. I, one, I found that that again was very popular in Lebanon. The Renault, the Renault Eight, very squarish Renault, and and a good friend of mine at, at school at university had one, and I found one at, at, at a Renault dealer. It was it was it was years and years old, but it was in ex- excellent condition. It only had ten thousand miles on it, and and this and the special thing about it, it had a push button transmission. Push button, okay. Push button automatic transmission. Yeah. Very weird, very rare. For some stupid reason, I didn't keep the car. I should have kept it. Uh, anyway. <laughs> you know, there were some old uh, American cars in the 50s that had those push button uh, transmissions as well. So, yeah, <laughs> very that. unique. How about a vehicle that you bought and shortly thereafter you said to yourself, what was I thinking? Yes. Well, it's not a car. It's, it's a motorhome. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, boy. We decided, my wife and I, at one point, we wanted to go down to Florida. Well, don't we buy a motorhome? And then we could use it for, for racing, you know, for, for going to the races, which was great. I mean, sitting, I mean, uh, staying in the paddock is, is a great experience. But that vehicle was a piece of junk. I mean, <laughs> and, and I went around other motorhomes, and you look at them, and they look so nice and spanky. You go inside, everything looks luxurious. But everything is held with... with uh, with um, self-tapping screws, okay? Mm-hmm. And everything vibrates, of course, on the road, and they come apart. It was, I'm sorry, a piece of junk, <laughs> first of all. Second was, how can you put a, a, a gasoline engine in a vehicle of that size? All these vehicles should be diesel-driven, uh. not gasoline-driven. And I don't understand that. I don't understand why the manufacturers don't put diesel engines in these big, huge gas guzzlers. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. I'm sure there's some weird reason behind it. Maybe it's just the chassis platform they build on, you know, trucks and things like that. And it's 
right. the lazy way out. But I, I've never owned a motorhome. I've had a lot of friends who bought them and then shortly after sold them pretty quick for a variety <laughs> of reasons. But uh, that's a funny one. How about current projects? Is there something you're working on today that really has you excited and fired up? Uh, working on today, no, not working on, but looking forward to ah. uh, my much, much better half for my 70th birthday, which will be in a few, a few weeks. Oh, my gosh. Yes. It's taking me to Goodwood Revival. Oh, oh, this, you you married this, the right person. <laughs> oh, my goodness. My goodness. She's a, she's a jewel. So. I'm going to dress up. I'm going to bring back my my bell-bottom pants from the 60s. <laughs> I'm going to dress up, and we're going to go to the Goodwood Revival. I'm so looking forward to this. I can't believe it. Oh, goodness. Well, you have to promise me something. You're going to have to call me up when you get back, and we'll spend mm-hmm. a little time talking on the phone with maybe a nice drink in our hand, and you can tell me all about it, because that is definitely an event on my bucket list that I would like to attend someday. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've heard marvelous things about it from those people who go there. Ah, sounds like so much fun. Yes, well, on my on my website, if I can cut you off, Mark, on my website, there's last year's complete three-day of video of the Goodwood Revival, everything, 30 oh. hours of video. So you've got a lot of time to waste. Go there and watch it. Well, what is the website that so our listeners can go find that? What is that? Uh, it's it's a homemade world website. I I do it. I'm, I'm not very good at it, but anyway, I put all my stuff on it, and it's uh, www.auto-historia.ca. Auto-historia.ca sounds like a fun way to spend an evening. Turn off the TV and watch the video of Goodwood. Fantastic. Now, here's a very introspective question for you. I love this question. It says a lot about how you perceive yourself. If you were a car alone, what type of car would you be? Lotus alone. A Lotus? <laughs> oh, now that was just way too easy. Okay, so we talked about the Lotus a little bit, but tell me why you are in Elan. Uh, well, <laughs> small, lightweight, nimble. Ah. I always like the David against Goliath stories. Yes, you yes. Uh, so if I was a car, I would like to be one of those. Or one of these small Italian Eccetterini, they call them. Mm. Okay, e- either a Stanguilini, you know, 750cc engine, Ooh, yeah. very lightweight, not a lot of power, but it goes at 8,000 RPM. And unlike a 400 horsepower car, you can't use the 400 horsepower. There's no way unless 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 you're on a track and you're an ultra professional. But when you have one of these tiny little things, even on the road, you use it fully. And to me, buying a car that's 400 horsepower and not using it is like having a house with six bedrooms and locking up four. Yes. What's the point? <laughs> Beside bragging rights. So I'm I'm the little car. Well, and your name, even though it's spelled a little differently, you are Alon as well. So I guess. Oh, I never thought of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, I, I never thought of that. Yeah, yes. exactly. Because Alon's name is A L A I N, but of course the Lotus Alon is spelled without the I, sans yeah, I, it's correct? Elan and I Alain. pronounce Alain. Alain. But, but yeah. It's close. It's close. It's yeah. close. Very spectacular. I love it. That's why I like that question so much. <laughs> So Alain, up next is the last lap, but before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsor. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way 
to keep your vehicle looking new. 2015 marks Covercraft's 50th anniversary. They've manufactured premium quality exterior and interior covers here in the United States with a reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit with over 80,000 patterns and growing. You can choose from dozens of fabric options and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicle. Made in the USA, Covercraft is the right choice. I've protected my special rides with their covers for over 40 years, and you should too. Learn more today at Covercraft.com. Have you turned your key and heard that dreaded tick, 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 tick because of a dead battery? No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology with reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are solid copper for maximum conductivity, and there's a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS emergency strobe. It's easily rechargeable with a USB outlet, and you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Okay, Alon, we're back, and we're entering the last lap. And you're a racer. You know what this means. The white flag's out. Time to put your foot into it. And this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some real quick blips of the throttle answers. So are you ready? Yes, indeed. We, we, <laughs> we, we. Here, here we go. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received? Buy the car you like. Yes, absolutely. Yep, buy what you like, because if you get stuck with it, at least you'll have some fun, right? (laughs) Exactly. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years? Uh, Well, it's it's maybe not a habit, but it's a trait, passion. Uh, You know, I'm Mediterranean, you know, and, and Mediterraneans, I have Italian blood a little bit. And they get, they're very excitable, the Italians, you know. So I get excited, yeah. So uh, passion, I'd say, is, is, is a defining trait. Yes. yes, yes, very important. Is there a resource that you'd like to share with the Carja listeners you think they would really enjoy? Yeah, I just told you, autohistoria.ca. There you go, <laughs> absolutely. Great resource, and it, of course, will be listed on the show notes page. How about a book? I know there are so many wonderful books out there, but is there one maybe you read recently that you think our listeners would really enjoy cracking open? Yes, uh, probably read it. Probably your listeners have already heard about it. It's The Art of Racing in the Rain. Uh, Yes, Garth Stein's book. Yes. Yes. Uh, And I must tell you that I was told about this book uh, by my uh, good friend, Luigi Chinetti Jr. I I was very fortunate to meet him some 20 years ago. We've become good friends. And one day he calls me up and he says, Alain, you've got to read this book. There's a few pages on my father's Le Mans drive of when he drove 23 out of 24 hours yeah and it's beautifully described and you're going to love the book because also you love dogs and Luigi Jr. also loves dogs so I got the book and I loved it from A to Z and I've never looked at dogs the same way since when a little dog looks at me I say what are you thinking what are you trying to tell me 
I don't know if you've read the book, but you don't understand what I'm saying. I understand. You know, I think a lot of us automotive enthusiasts are waiting for the movie to come out. You know, I think. Yes, with Patrick Dempsey, hopefully. I hope so. Yeah, we'll see. Well, listeners, you'll find all these great links that Alain has shared with us at carsyad.com slash Alain Raymond. Alain's name is spelled A-L-A-I-N, as I said before, and his last name is R-A-Y-M-O-N-D. All right. Do you have any interesting hobbies outside of your passion for cars? I know you're a historian. I know you're a vintage racer, but anything outside of cars that you really love to do? I love traveling. I love traveling. And I love traveling places where there's history. I mean, going to Alaska is fine, you know, scenery and so on, but it doesn't turn my crank. I, I really love history. And coming from the Middle East, of course, I was exposed to a lot of history, going back to the Crusades. Okay. And as I said earlier, history explains everything. If you learn about history, then you understand why is this happening today? Because some event took place 100, 200, 300, 400, 500 years ago. History is, for me, a a, a second hobby, really. Well, it's spectacular. And I really wish that our schools these days would emphasize history more because I can't tell you how many times, even with my kids, I've said, just go back and read about this and you'll understand why this is happening. And you're absolutely right. All right, we're up to the checkered flag here. And this last question Mm -hmm. can be a real doozy. If you could only have one collector car in your garage, but don't worry about the cost because today I'm going to buy you whatever you like. So that's pretty cool. What would that one vehicle be and why? Difficult question, Mark, and you know it. Yes, that's Um, why I ask it. (laughs) It's a difficult question. Well, uh, last last March at... uh, at Amelia Island, I I was face to face with my favorite. It's the Alfa Romeo 33 Stradale. Ah, yes. <laughs> Drop dead gorgeous. I mean, it's impossible to build better than that. The other one, because there's another one, the <laughs> other one I love is the Aston Martin DB4 Zagato. Oh, oh gosh, yes. That's one of my favorites, too. Well, I can't get you let you uh, get away with two cars because I'd have about 300 past guests that would be calling me saying, How, why did Alon get to pick two? I only had to pick one. <laughs> so I'm going to make you, this is a tough one. Boy, you've picked two cars that really pull on my heartstrings as well. So if you had to pick one today, just today, between that Alfa Romeo 33 Stradale and the Aston Martin ZB4 Zagato, oh, what a car. Which one would it be? Stradale. I, you know, I already knew the answer to that. I don't know why, <laughs> why I asked you. That car, I'll tell you something funny. I just sent a picture of that car to one of my past guests because she was talking to me about loving alphas, and I wanted to show her this car because she wasn't that familiar with it. And uh, it's so funny because I just sent it to her yesterday. Yeah, it's beautiful. Well, tell me what it is about that car. What, pick out some things that just pull on your heartstrings. Well, Alfa Romeo is such a romantic brand. It's a hugely romantic brand, and I have a lot of respect for it. And uh, the Stradale is so beautiful. It's so well balanced. Everything is right. Uh, to me, it's 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 the auto. As far as design is concerned, of course, I've never driven one. I don't know how they drive, and but just just to look at it, even if I could never drive it, put it in my living room and just look at it all day and then just drool over it. To me, the, the beauty of the thing, I I love beautiful objects, be it a bridge, a building, uh, a car. It's beauty. It's pure beauty. Yes. Ah, well, great choice, my friend. It's wonderful. 
Alon, you've taken me on a great ride today, and I've really enjoyed your stories. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yow listeners and with me. Would you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off down the racetrack in that Alfa Romeo 33 Stradale? <laughs> well, um, I read this uh, some time ago in a book dealing with, with stress. And it, here it is. If it's not life-threatening... Don't worry about it. Mm. What was that book? Do you remember? Uh, I don't remember the title of the book, but it was explaining uh, the work of Dr. Selye, who's the first medical person to uh, establish a link between stress and disease. Uh-huh. And it was explaining his work. And the, the key the key sentence was there is that in order to handle stress, think about it. If it's not life-threatening, don't worry about it. Oh, if we could just figure out a way to teach everybody how to do that, I think we could make a million billion dollars. (laughs) (laughs) There's a great book I read in the past by a Dr. Sarno about back pain, and he aligns back pain with stress uh, very much in the same light, and that is a major cause of back pain for people when they think it's a physical issue, but it actually happens up here in the head and transpires down into the body. So, uh, That's great advice. Great advice for many of us, including myself, to take and heed. Thank you very much for that. What's, again, the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and your business? Well, uh, like I say, go on my my website. It it is homemade. I'm trying to improve on it. But uh, I put in all my uh, photos and my videos, the videos I make and the videos I find on the web that are interesting, stories I write, stories I see elsewhere. So, voila, uh, my website allows you to know a little bit more about me. And if you want to contact me, there is information there. And whoever is interested in receiving the updates, just drop me an email and I'll be glad, free of charge, to put their name on the list. (laughs) Fantastic. Well, listeners, again, you can find this website and links to everything we've talked about today. Again, at Cars, yeah, just put Alain, A-L-A-I-N, in the search bar and his show notes page will pop right up. Thank you, Alon, for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the listeners. It's been so much fun. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Au revoir, Marc. Merci beaucoup. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.